0: Worth Repeating is made possible by the 8020 Foundation, Real Ale Brewing Company, Texas A&M University, San Antonio, and Do210.com.
1: Welcome to the Worth Repeating Podcast. This is the second part of our storytelling event about ghosts, hauntings, and other unexplained happenings. We're so excited you joined us. Our first storyteller is Michelle Curo. Michelle shares a story about a ghost who was a little possessive.
2: So, um, in 2016, I moved uh, from San Antonio to Nashville, Tennessee. Um, And one of the first things I learned about Nashville is that that city is creepy as hell. Um, um, I got an apartment on unseen. I was real excited about it. It had a pool view. Um, I was stoked. Um, I got there first day, moved in, went out on that balcony to check it out. And yes, there, there was a pool and I did have a view of it, but what was right next to that pool that was not listed online was a cemetery. Yeah, yeah. Cemetery that they found when they were building the apartment complex and instead of moving it They fenced it in and made it an amenity Um, Yeah So I got to enjoy that beautiful view and that creepy ass vibe the whole time. I was there I lived there for about a year Um, And then I got to the point where I was like, you know what? I think I can move on from this and you know have a less creepy situation here in Nashville moved into the city Um, Better location, not as good of a view. Um, That was fine with me. Um, I was feeling hopeful, I was feeling excited. And um, basically the minute I moved into that apartment, I started feeling a presence. And it was one of those things where I would be sitting at my kitchen counter, hanging out, and I would just feel someone looking at me. Um, It was a one bedroom, one bath, no roommate, just me. Turn around, no one's there. Um, It happened a lot. It it happened quite a few times. And um, the most common uh, kind of feeling I got was actually um, in my bedroom. Um, So my bed was positioned in my room where it faced the doorway. And the doorway looked into the kitchen. It was right next to the bathroom, kind of see everything. And uh, I'd be laying in bed and I would catch out of the corner of my eye something moving in front of the doorway. And I think curiosity just got the best of me and I, instead of looking away or getting scared, I started paying attention. And um, I kind of got used to its path. And it would come out of the bathroom, pause in front of my door, and then just kind of disappear. Um, again, I wasn't necessarily creeped out, I was curious, and so I kind of started watching for it. And it, and it happened so often, that I kind of got the, the feeling that um, he was a man. And, um, <laughs> just lurking (laughs) um (laughs) and uh I I would be able to kind of you know feel that it was a male energy and um it got to the point where I could you know kind of feel and and see what he looked like and um you know he had brown hair was kind of shaggy um light features light eyes um late 20s early 30s honestly it was kind of my time (laughs) Um, so I was vibing with it um but, you know, I didn't feel scared. I didn't feel unsafe. um it was It was weird for sure. But, um, you know, again, it just it didn't really scare me. But I will say at this point, I am telling anyone who will listen. My apartment is haunted. Um, uh, my friends, my family. It is my story at happy hour. And, um, you know, I'm telling people, and everyone's heard this story. And at one point, um I was dating this guy, and he came over. Um, and uh, we're drinking beer and playing cards. And of course, he's heard this story. I'm pretty sure it's probably my opening line on Bumble. Hi, I'm Michelle. My apartment's haunted. <laughs> and uh, so we're hanging out. We're drinking beer. The beer's gone. And we decide, you know what, let's go, you know, go to bed, watch a movie, and just kind of relax. And so he and I are cleaning up the kitchen, cleaning up the cards. And um, we're kind of doing that thing that new couples do, where it's like, I don't know what I want to watch. What do you want to watch? I'll do whatever you want. It's great. So we kind of take the conversation into the room and we sit down on my bed. And while the bed faces the doorway, it also faces my dresser that has my TV and my DVD player sitting on it. And with both of us looking at the TV, all of a sudden the DVD player starts moving. Um, It starts moving slowly. The six feet across the dresser gets to the edge and falls. And I burst into tears and then the first thing out of my mouth was I told you so I told you that this was real I promise and he and I were just shocked just sitting there in silence and I know what you're thinking no I didn't move out I stayed for another year I stayed for another year in this apartment Um I didn't necessarily see any other physical representations Um there was no movement and as long as this ghost wasn't moving my shit I was fine um, but I did still feel that presence and I felt like You know, I could still, you know, see him through my apartment. But again, it wasn't creepy. It was almost like one of those things where you see a stranger across the street and you kind of accidentally make eye contact and acknowledge and then look away. That's how it felt. Um, So time goes on. Um, I decide again, you know, this apartment is haunted, so I should probably leave. Um, And a couple weeks before I moved out, um, I kind of felt things change. Um, I'm a creature of habit. I sleep on the same side of the bed every night. Um, I get up the same way every single morning, and one morning I got up and there was a distinct cold spot um, in my path, how I walked to the closet, to the restroom to get ready for the day, I had never been there before. And I was like, okay, <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> um, and then a couple days after that, um, all of the light bulbs in my ceiling fan went out at the same time. A couple days after that, the ceiling fan stopped working all altogether. And I'm like, okay, well, we're almost to the end of this lease. Let's just hang on a little longer. Um, now, this is the part of the story that makes me sound a little scandalous, and I'm sorry. Um, but I had another man in my bed. Um, different guy. Uh, was my boyfriend at the time. Um, thank you. Thank you. Um, but uh, so we're asleep. We're passed out. It's the middle of the night. And um, all of a sudden, he wakes up by like, just jolting and yelling, waking up in the middle of the night. It scares the shit out of me. And I was like, oh my God, like, what's going on? Are you okay? Like, what happened? And he was like, something just hit me in the face. (laughs) And I was like, was it me? (laughs) And he was like, no, no. Um, I sleep on my stomach, hands under the pillow. I promise it was not me. Um, But we flip on the lights and we're looking, did something fall off the wall, fall off a shelf? Like, what happened? Nothing's out of place. and it was kind of that moment. He and I didn't acknowledge it right in that moment or say anything out loud, but we knew we knew what it was. And so after that moment, I got the hell out of there. <laughs> I did not stay in that apartment again until I moved out. And you know, after kind of thinking through things, um, you know, I started feeling unsafe. Like we had crossed a threshold, right? This ghost was physically touching things in my room, touching people in my room. That's my job, thank you. Um, <laughs> but um, I just didn't feel safe anymore. Um, felt dangerous. Um, this, this presence, this ghost, it felt, it felt angry. Um, oh. So I um, went on, um, moved out of that apartment, and throughout the past couple years I've had different experiences where I felt energy or I felt a presence, um, but for some reason it is always in a bedroom.
3: So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Our next storyteller is Dallas Fan. Dallas shares a story about an exorcism and the demon we'll call upchuck.
0: So we'll start here. I come from a family of the most religious criminals you've ever met in your life. My dad, my stepdad, and my brother all went to prison on the same day for different reasons. But they never missed a Sunday in church. Even when they were locked up. Uh, So of course, when I started acting out when I was 11 years old, just being a bad kid, nobody decided to go, is it something he's going through at home? Maybe the parenting, maybe the home situation. No, they went to the church and the church said, this boy is full of demons. Which is pretty easy to take care of, apparently. Um, You just take them to have an exorcism. Now, I wasn't the type of child that would have gone willingly. So they tricked me. And the way they tricked me is uh, they went to a giant church here in San Antonio that we won't say the name of. We'll just call it Pornerstones. You know, Pastor Leggy, or whatever. (laughs) So being a child that wasn't given much growing up, the one thing I did have was I got to go to summer camp in Tarpley, Texas, at this beautiful place every summer, okay? And we rode horses, we swam, we fell in love. It was all the great things you do. So when my mom said, hey, son, do you want to go to Tarpley? I was like, of course, it's October, it's kind of a weird time to go to Tarpley. <laughs> but I'll go. And I, I should have known something was wrong when it was different. Usually we all went in big buses full of kids. And this time it was a shuttle van with 14 of us. <laughs> so we get there and I was used to the usual thing, right? You get there and before you get to have fun, you have to pray a whole bunch for a long time. So I was like, all right, we'll go to church. And when we're there, they only were telling stories about exorcisms. So I was kind of weird, me and the other kids are looking around like, this is odd, you know what I mean? The, one of the stories they told was a time where Jesus was called to exorcise demons from a man. And he came and he asked, uh, demon, what is your name? And the man said, my name is Many, meaning he's chocked full of them, all right? And it turns out all the fun things in life are demons, right? If you smoke cigarettes, that's a demon. If you cuss, that's a demon. If you joke too much, that's a demon. So what Jesus did was he exercised all of the demons out of this man and put them into a flock of swine that ran themselves into a river and drowned themselves. Once again, me and the other 11 year olds are like, this is pretty heavy. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what's going on right now. So then they get us all up and they take us to one cabin. We go to this cabin and it was odd because they had a bunch of chairs set up in a circle. And in front of every chair, they had paper towels laid out. So they sit us down and they go, "Uh, don't worry about the paper towels. That's part of all this. See, demons apparently reside in your belly. I thought it was like a soul thing, but no, is in the belly. And they said they don't want to leave. So as we're pulling them out of you, they're going to grab anything inside your stomach. And so you might throw up. Once again, very odd. Uh, and if you don't know how one exercises demons, they lay hands on you. And they begin to do uh, what is called speaking in tongues. If you don't know what speaking in tongues is, the easiest way I can describe it is... It's scatting for Christians. (laughs) Right? A lot of doo wop dilly doos (laughs) And so I sit down, right? And all of us sit down. And then three men who I, to this day, don't know how they got the gig. If they just pulled a tab off a piece of paper, like PTA dads, they wanted to be part of the exorcism squad or something like that. So... So they sit us down and these three men put hands on me and they begin to speak in tongues, you know, scoobity-dap again. Uh, And as they're doing it, and and I know it it sounds like uh, I was molested as I first tell the story. I know, that's usually what happens in churches. Um, Now, I wish that would have happened because that's easier to explain to a therapist. Because i have seen that before Oh, You were touched by a priest. Let's go with this. But I tell my therapist I had an exorcism performed and they're like, that's above my pay grade. Uh, I don't, I don't know. So these guys start, start screen praying at me. And as they're doing it, I'm looking around the room nervously and it happened. The first kid threw up and then another one and then another one. So I'm getting nervous. And I was like, do I have to throw up to get out of here? (laughs) And then I made a mistake. I made a mistake a lot of women have made before. I faked it. (laughs) And I found out something a lot of you have found out. Don't fake it, because if you fake it, they're going to think they're just doing a good job and go harder. (laughs) And you're going to be here for longer than you need to. So I give them a little... And you would have thought, that it was almost as if the guy was like, oh,
1: we got a live one, not.
0: So I was like, oh God, please let me get out of here. And he's like, here we go. Uh, and so finally I'm able to get a little bit of spit up and I vomit and they just swipe their brows and they're like, Whew, we got this one, good. And as fast as it all had started, It was over. A bunch of kids and a bunch of vomit and apparently less demons. And I I went home and my mom just picked me up from the church like nothing had happened. She was like, hey, how was that? I was like, I don't don't know. Uh, And so I was so mad at my mom for years for doing this. I hated her. Visually, I hated her. How could you do this to me? And now that I have a child of my own, <laughs> I get it, you know? <laughs> but I, I've i taken time to reflect, and I realized my mom didn't hate me. She didn't want any ill will for me. She was scared. And she turned to a place a lot of people turn, to faith, to church. and. She looks back now and realizes that, yeah, it was scarring, but I'm the only child that hasn't gone to prison. (laughs) My name's Man, Thank you very much.
1: Our last storyteller of this episode is George Anthony. George shares a story about a funeral that went awry.
4: Hey, I'm George. <laughs> and this is my story. So, today, actually, October 18th is the day that my brother decided that he didn't want to be here anymore, 15 years ago. He committed suicide. And so it was very tough for my family, you know. Imagine just someone who was a part of your reality just is not there anymore, you know? It's a big hole in our lives. It's my my mother, my sister, my father, me, and my brother. <clears throat> anyway, so, he decided he didn't want to be here anymore. When that, something like that happens, it's, it's, it's always a, like a shock to the system, you know? Just devastated, but you have to give them like a funeral. That's what you're supposed to do, right? But we couldn't do it as a a family. So we, you know, my aunt stepped in and my grandmother. The thing is, my brother was bipolar, too. He had uh, mental health issues. And so his personality was very, like, like polarizing. You either loved him or you hated him, you know? And so we found out not a lot of people liked him at the funeral. So my grandmother... She hires a a deacon or a pastor. In every sense of the word, think about the worst stereotype, it was that guy. This was 2007, by the way, so PowerPoints were big. (laughs) So that's how it started, right? We're sitting in the front, the immediate family, my brother's there. Being a jerk, you know. And then everybody else is like crying or they're saying, hell yeah, or whatever. <clears throat> so my aunt goes up there. She's like, Patrick was a good boy. <laughs> it's a very distinct sound. A click. Mind you, 2007. So they... <sighs> My brother grew up with us. We have all his pictures and everything, but no one came to us to get his baby pictures, none of that. My aunt just got his pictures off of MySpace. (laughs) Because that was poppin', 2007, you know? And so when she goes, Patrick was a good boy, it's a picture of my brother smoking marijuana, (laughs) 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 flicking off the camera. But we were, look, you see here, you're like, dude, like it was, it was kind of poetic. The next picture, he was a good boy. So, you know, we're just looking at people, you know, and they see it. And then she goes, I'm going to miss him. He's such a good boy. And it's a picture of my brother making out with his boyfriend. I'm so proud of him. And so mad at him, you know? <clears throat> so the next slide my goes, and he survived by his parents and his brother and his sister. And it shows his birthday. His birthday was March 10th, 1985. But on the screen, it said March 10th,
3: 1942.
4: <laughs> so my sister had this thing, what I've, Come to know, it's not in any dictionary, but I I just, I just like named it, you know? Uh, Funeral Tourette's. (laughs) Where every so often she would yell out, you know? Just not even, it was just super uncool. My aunt, 1942, right? My sister looks up, she's like,
0: you idiot! (laughs)
4: 1985, you stupid idiot! I was like, oh, oh, well, okay. And she just <laughs> clicked through it. <clears throat> so who's next to come up to this thing? That's not... <laughs> I could, I swear to God, I saw my brother smirk a little bit. Like, when he's up there doing his thing, he was like... <clears throat> <laughs> the next person, they come up and say the words, my uh, aunt... She introduced the pastor or deacon, whatever they want to be called, right? He's just in a nice slick suit, Gucci frames, you know, glasses. And he comes up there and he's like, okay. <laughs> like he's gonna turn this crowd around, you know? He just, <laughs> he goes up there and he's like, so how's everybody doing today? <laughs> Who asked that? <laughs> At a funeral. She goes, we're all here to celebrate. Paul, my brother's name is Patrick. <laughs> and right when he said Paul, my sister's funeral Tourette's kicked in. Same <laughs> name was Patrick, you jackass! He's like, okay, all right, <laughs> okay. I guess he thought he could save it. He was like, oh, so, uh uh, Patrick, <laughs> Patrick was a good god fearing Christian. And my sister Tourette's was just on point. She was, he was an atheist, you stupid idiot. <laughs> all right, tough crowd. <laughs> and I swear, he was like, who, who is she? <laughs> oh, that's a sister? Okay, all right, we're all set here. <laughs> um, uh, he did his thing, and he got off there, you know, he was sweating, he was, he was up there for like five minutes. <laughs> Went straight to my grandmother, got his check, and was like, y'all good luck with that, and he, <laughs> he left. At this point in time, everybody's going up to see my brother, telling him their goodbyes, right, whatever, and uh, I go up there and I'm crying. You know, you, When these he's family things, you know, you just can't, you, you can't fathom the sadness and anger, and rage and all these emotions swirling around like a messed up washing machine. I you know, was just, ugh. and I go up there and I see him and his, his clothes are all cut down the side and I'm touching his clothes. and I'm, Cause that was my responsibility to buy his clothes. I wanted that to be the honor of that, you know? And he was a 22 year old kid, just a little baby, you know? And I, I'm like, I'm gonna put him in his best bands t-shirt, you know, and the band at the time was System of a Down. It was 2007, they were popping. But then, where do you buy a System of a Down clothes? At the mall. Yeah, you gotta go to Hot Topic. <laughs> and he rationalized that, oh my, like, where do I go to buy my brother? Oh, Hot Topic. Oh my god. <laughs> I walk in there and I'm like, where's the dead brother section? <laughs> and this little 17-year-old nothing was like, um, what? What do you want? I'm like, I'm looking for a System of a Down. She's like, they're kind of over. I'm like, I'm my brother. You stupid. I hate you. <laughs> And so I found the, the rack, right? And I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh, I don't know. That's kind of pricey. And I'm like, where's your clearance? And I finally pick out some clothes, right? I go up there. I'm like, I'll take all this. <laughs> She's like, you want some buttons? And I was like, yeah, give me all the buttons you have. <laughs> And so um, I was upset when I found out his clothes were all torn, right? So I go up to the funeral director, I walk down the hallway and I'm by myself. I'm gonna rip him a new one, you know? I walk in and I'm like, hey, you know? And he's like a villain. He like turned around and said, yes. (laughs) I've been waiting for you, and I was like, "What's up, my brother's clothes be torn. You jerk, huh? What's up, my bottom? I went to the mall." <laughs> and he's like, and he started explaining to me one. Night, he's like, "Sir, calm down. I'm like you, calm down. It's expensive." And he goes, "He goes, sir. We can't like out of respect for the for the deceased. We can't just like you know weaken at Bernie's." Like he started explaining, like pick him up. <laughs> put a shoe on him, all kinds of stuff. He's like, out of respect, we cut it down and we tuck it down on the side. And I was like, oh, that makes perfect sense, I'm sorry. (laughs) So I go back out, right, and I see my mom, she's sitting there in this big red wing back chair in the front when you walk in, you know, and you gotta stop by that book. 2007, you couldn't check in on social media, you know? You had to check in on the book. Hey, I was at your funeral, it sucks, sorry. So I sit by the book and my mom's sitting there and she's like catatonic. She's just looking out into space. I can't imagine her son, you know, is, is not going to be with us anymore, you know. And I sit next to her for no comfort at all. I just wanted to be near her. I guess for my comfort. And I look at her and she's looking off into space. And I just feel this like rage and then like I miss him already. And I feel like he's there too. I feel like he's just like, this is a big prank, you know. Like, man, this is you're good, you know. And then it comes my cousin and Mikey. Mikey has been known to... Ruined the best of times. This is the worst, <laughs> and I know I'm. I see him. I'm like, my. Oh, hope we said something, you know? And he goes up to my mom, and this is this is where the story. Um, it's just this is where reality kicked back in, because it was just a dream, and he brought us right back to reality. My, because Mikey goes up to mom, he's like, Hey, this sucks. The uh, Patrick's dead. like, (laughs) and then he says the stupidest thing. He's like, so I had to take off a work for this. Do I get a note from you? Or do I got to find someone who works here? And I wanted to break his neck. I told him that, like Mikey, get away from my mother before I break your neck. And he goes, "You're not the only one sad today." And he walked off. <laughs> this, this is a, um, this is just another day, right? But I, I think about. At first, I, in, in retrospect, it was so funny. It was just perfect, and and it's misery, and it's like.
2: Uh, like,
4: I can't disconnect from that moment. That's the last moment that I, I have with my brother, his body at least, you know. And um, sometimes ghosts aren't all bad because every time I think about that day, I feel them. Like, I don't know if you've ever had some lost somebody, but when you think about a memory that hard, you can just feel them next to you. And I'm so glad I was able to share that with you. Thank you very much. <laughs>
1: That's it for the Worth Repeating Podcast. You can get tickets for the next live show by visiting tpr.org wr or submit a story that you'd like to tell. If you know someone who has a great story, tell them about Worth Repeating. The theme for our next live show on November 15th is weeds. Stories about pulling up the weeds in your life, being in the weeds at a restaurant, or smoking weed. Consider submitting a story to tell or join us for the next live show. Support for Worth Repeating comes from the 8020 Foundation, Do210.com, Texas A&M University at San Antonio, and Real Ale Brewing Company. Worth Repeating is a production of Texas Public Radio.